0: Brad Keithley, Managing Director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Welcome to the Weekly Top 3, the top three things on our mind here at Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets for the week of March 29th, 2021. The Weekly Top 3 is a regular segment on the Michael Duke Show. The show broadcasts on Facebook Live and via streaming audio from the show's website weekdays from 6 to 8 a.m. I join Michael weekly in the first hour of Tuesday's show from 6.25 to 7 a.m for a discussion between the two of us about our three issues. We post the podcast of our discussion following the show on the Alaska for Sustainable Budgets Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Spotify pages, also on the new Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets website, as well as the projects page on national blog site medium.com. You can find past episodes of the weekly top three also at the same locations. Keep in mind that in addition to these podcasts, during the week, you also can follow and participate in the discussion with us of these and other issues affecting Alaska's fiscal and economic condition by following us on the Alaska for Sustainable Budgets Facebook page and through our posts on Twitter. This week, our top three issues are these. First, we discuss how the Fairbanks news miner badly botched an analysis of Alaska's tax burden. Second, We ask whether Senate finance even cares about Alaska families and the overall Alaska economy. Third, some recent discussions about potential vetoes makes us wonder whether the governor is part of the fiscal solution or has he become part of the problem. And now, let's join Michael.
1: We're going to dive into the weekly top three here today, and I know that you want to take uh, you want to take aim first and foremost at the um, uh, Fairbanks Daily News Miner for a piece that they were talking about on the uh, the analytics of taxes uh, because taxes are now becoming. I know you and I have talked about them for years, um, but uh, taxes are now being taken up by some of the legislators and, of course, some of the uh, the mouthpieces for uh, for that movement, including the uh, newspaper editorial boards. So uh, what say you about the Fairbanks Daily Newsminer and this brand, new, uh, this brand new piece they got out?
0: So the Newsminer ran an article that says Alaska's lowest, Alaska lowest tax state in comparison of state local rates. And it goes on with a fairly lengthy article for the Newsminer uh, to analyze a, uh, a survey or a, or a report that had been done by a website called uh, Wallet Hub. So I, my reaction to that first was um, to, to read through the article and and realize that they weren't including PFD cuts uh, as part of the as part of the government take as part of the diversion of private sector revenues to government, which is the classic definition of taxes. And uh, and so I did what, frankly, I enjoyed doing a lot. I opened up a spreadsheet and uh, and started to do some calculations, and and they were rather eye-opening even to me. So the Wallet Hub analysis said Alaska's effective tax rate uh, that, that Wallet Hub used was 5.84% or $3,700 uh, compared to 5.8% of median household income uh, for the U.S., the median household income for the U.S. And the reason they did that, the reason Wallet Hub did that is they wanted to compare the states, so they, they wanted to use a common base. Uh, to compare the states and uh, and that's they use median household income uh, and that five point eight four percent was in fact or that number is in fact uh, the lowest of all the states when you go to the wallet hub website you, you see the list of the states you see all the tax rates right uh, and is the lowest but here's here's the thing that that really uh, I even I was surprised by when you start when you add in PFd cuts uh, from the from the statutory PFd the amount of the statutory PFd that's been diverted to government uh, as a as essentially as a tax uh, revenue to government the numbers change a lot. Um, Alaska's tax rate goes from five point eight four percent to fourteen point three two percent. The amount taken per household which is how they uh, which is how wallet hub did this, the amount taken per household goes from thirty seven hundred dollars. To nine thousand dollars per family, Alaska's rank goes from lowest in the nation to third highest uh, in the nation as a percent of income, uh, (laughs) outpaced only by uh, Illinois and Connecticut. We fall behind. We fall between New York and Connecticut uh, as, as 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 a tax rate. Even if you look at the PFD alone, just just the amount of the PFD cut alone. That's an 8.5% tax rate using Wallet, Wallet Hub's uh, analysis, uh, and it ranks Alaska uh, not first lowest, ninth lowest in the nation, uh, right behind Colorado, uh, in front of Tennessee, and and very near California, uh, just the PFD cut portion alone. So what's what's really going on here? And I, you know, this this obviously irritated me. Um, and, and my response to the, to the news miner was, look, you've got this wrong. I mean, PFD cuts are Alaska's version of an income tax They're right. you know, targeted, targeted tax on income. And, and you need to include those numbers. And, and the response was, well, Wallet Hub didn't do that. So, you know, we don't need to do that, but, but that's, that's just, I mean, that's, um, that's just obfuscating or that's just, that's just, you know, excusing yourself. PFD, PFD cuts are attacks on Alaska families. They do reduce the level of income of Alaska families. They do divert that income from Alaska families to uh, to, uh, to government. So if you're going to look at government take, if you're going to look at the at the impact, the dollars, uh, and what that does as a percent of income uh, to government take you have to PFD in Alaska PFD cuts are part of that. Newsminer should have known that Newsminer exists in Alaska. You can ex- you can you can excuse Wallet Hub because they're a national organization. You can't expect them to know the intricacies of all 50 states. But the Newsminer certainly knows uh the the impact of of PFD cuts and uh, and and at least should have included some reference to it in the course of the discuss uh discussing it. But the thing the, the thing that really drove drove this home to me is when you include the impact of PFD cuts on Alaska families Alaska goes from the least taxed state in the nation to the 49th most taxed state in the nation uh in the in the in the top 3 if you will of the uh of the most taxed states uh, in the nation and i and and i think that's i think that's eye opening i mean it's it is it is you know when Alaskans go around and say, oh, we aren't taxed, and you know, and 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 we 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 get along just fine, and we don't have to send much money to government. We're sending a huge boatload amount of government amount of money to government uh, uh, each year out of out of the households, in, a, in, in 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 rank order, equal to what Illinois, New York, Connecticut, Pennsylvania are taking uh, are taking for uh, for their state governments. And I and I and I think I think. Alaskans should should be aware of that fact and we should be talking about that fact. Right. We we aren't not taxed. We are taxed heavily.
1: Right. And it's a little you know, again, it's kind of this disingenuousness of those uh, in the you know, in the editorial boards of the various newspapers around the state to kind of like obfuscate that uh, and say, well, you know, it's really you know, if you look at it. But again, an apples to apples comparison shows what the truth is. They just don't want to. They they just do not want to uh, uh, you know uh, speak the truth quite honestly because it doesn't it doesn't fill their need or their agenda of basically saying we need to take all of the PFD and eventually we need to have and again it's an excuse well we're the lowest tax state so we could put taxes on and it'd be okay because we'd still be one of the lowest tax state this is of course after we take all of your PFD uh, and so that is the message that you're seeing in all you know in almost all these editorials that I'm reading. They're almost all kind of implicating that, like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're not taxed at all, so we could afford a little bit of a tax here.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, 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 uh, it's eye opening. It's not just the it's not just the editorial board. It's 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 a, a a fairly hefty number of legislators who go around saying the same thing. But it's just it's stunning to me. Forty, we rank 49th when you include the PFD cuts, the effective PFD cuts. We rank 49th in the nation. Behind only Illinois and Connecticut, uh, we take more than New York. We take more than Pennsylvania. We take more than California. Way more than California, uh, on a on a household household basis. And, uh, and and for those who say that you know Alaska is not taxed, or as you say, not taxed, uh, that that we have we have capacity to take more. We don't. And and the other the other thing that that you know comes home about this is that tax burden is largely on middle and lower income Alaska families it's not spread evenly across all alaska families it's not like new york's that is a progressive income tax that hits you know wealthier families uh, hardest uh, alaska's is a the PFD cuts a hugely regressive tax in fact all of alaska's taxes right now are hugely regressive taxes that hit middle and lower income alaska families hardest so you know if you were looking if you were if you were rank ordering by most regressive uh, uh biggest impact on middle and lower income alaska families clearly alaska would rank first uh using uh using using that standard so it's i mean that's for for legislators who may happen to be listening for uh uh listeners uh who are talking to others that's the number we ought to be using we ought to be using what the impact on Alaska families is, what the impact on Alaska households is of all of the diversion of private sector income to government. Uh, and, uh, and, and once you do that, uh, the number is just staggering. I'm 14% on average of, of median household income, uh, national income, uh, $9,000 per household ranks as 49th, uh, in the nation.
1: Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We just need to be spreading this information far and wide, right? I mean, Brad, this is what it all comes down to. I mean, we've got to point out the fact that there I mean, there are holes in this logic. This is, you know, as I said, this is not the first editorial nor is it the first time a legislator has taken these things on and said these things. We just need to say, well, not really. Here's what the truth is: when you factor in the PFD uh, taking, we are now the highest, and we can't afford any more tax. I mean, these are things that we should be saying.
0: Well, can't afford any more taxes, and 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 can't afford certainly can't afford any ta- any more taxes that hit middle and lower income Alaska families. If 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 what we're if what we're doing, if we do need these revenues, if the legislature determines we do need these revenues, we at least need to get them off the backs of Middle and lower income Alaska families, and spread them evenly uh, across all Alaska families. Um, but it's just I, I, the the fact when you add in the PFD, the fact we rank 49th in the nation, uh, uh, behind only Connecticut and Illinois, uh, in terms of tax burden, in terms of government take, state government take, uh, from uh, state and local government take, from uh, from private sector income, uh, is just uh, is just staggering to me. I mean, I expected we'd end up somewhere in the middle. That we that we that we wouldn't be first lowest. That we'd end up somewhere in the middle. But, but turns out we uh, we we end up third third from the top.
1: <laughs> and again, this is utilizing Wallet WalletHub's uh, formulaic uh, driven uh, numbers and and accounting for those metrics. And so it's an apples to apples comparison at that point. Uh, I mean, I, I'm hoping have you posted about this up on your Facebook page?
0: I have. I posted a short uh, a short blip uh, uh, last week uh i'm going to do it again um and uh and and this may actually be the subject matter of a of a op-ed that i that i do because i this is i mean even to me even to me this is a staggering number it's a staggering it, it 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 it's a staggering comparison that we go from the lowest in the nation when you factor in the pfd cuts it goes to the to the third highest in the nation. That's
1: just, it's astonishing.
0: I'm I'm repeating myself, but I can't say it enough. It's just staggering. Yeah,
1: absolutely astonishing. Uh, All right, uh, let's move on to number two, uh, which is the Senate Finance Committee. They're starting to talk now about uh, bringing the PFD formula forward. There was a piece in uh, Alaska's news source over at KTUU, uh, where they talked and touted these spending cap proposals by Holtz and Von Imhoff and the governor and everything else. And then they moved on to the discussion about the PFD and the fiscal aspects of the PFD. And, of course, uh, the chair of the Senate Finance Committee, Bert Stedman, was quoted in there saying, oh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about the PFD. We're going to have an explanation on the mathematics of it. Then we're going to go into the partisan and ideological discussions of the dividend. Uh, what, what do they miss on this? Give me, give me your take.
0: Well, the, the statement that Seven made is there will be an explanation of the impact of the PFD on the state's fiscal situation. Then, you know, we'll move on. We'll move on to other things. There, that misses the point. I mean, to, to pick up on the theme from the first point, uh, the impact of the PFD on the state's fiscal situation is, is just the starting point. The, the, where you need to take that then is what's the impact of, of, of the PFD and PFD cuts in particular on Alaska families in the Alaska economy government's function should not should not stop at simply how are we going to pay for government what what kind of government do we want and how are we going to pay for it it should it should continue on to and what's the impact of the various alternatives of paying for it on Alaska families in the Alaska economy. You wouldn't you wouldn't you know if you, if you had a a list and you said this is the has the largest adverse effect on Alaska in, in the abstract you had a list and said this is the largest adverse in, impact on Alaska families in the Alaska economy and this is the lowest impact you can produce the same amount of money one has a huge impact one has a lower impact which you want to do in the abstract you'd say I want the lowest but but what we've been doing is using the tool that has the largest adverse impact on Alaska families and the overall Alaska economy, um, and without without analyzing at all whether there are other tools that can be used, uh, if you assume this is the amount of money they need, other tools that can be used that have a lower impact. So, just an, an analysis of what the impact is of PFDs on the state's fiscal situation, is just is just the starting point. It's not the ending point. But there's no recognition that I've seen in Senate Finance over the last five years and not, and not now about, about what that full analysis should be. They've never had Ledge Finance talk about the impact on Alaska families and the Alaska economy. They've never analyzed that. Frankly, they don't want to because they would, fi- they would, they would have to surface the fact that it has the largest adverse impact.
1: And that's the point. I mean, they know. Here's the thing. They're they're avoiding it like the plague. Uh, They go right to what does it cost the state and how does it affect the state finances? And that's the bottom line. That's that's all that that seems to. And again, this goes back to my commentary earlier, where it's always sacrificing the public economy, the public sector economy at the at the uh, at the expense of the private sector economy. You know, everything else doesn't matter as long as the public sector economy survives and gets good. That's what we need to concern ourselves with. And I think it is a disingenuous uh, look at what's going on. You You cannot it does not happen in a vacuum. One impacts the other and if you don't at least take a look at that and acknowledge that then you're again you're being disingenuous and i think that's what a lot of these politicians are failing to factor in on and they don't they don't want to make that point because as you said it once it surfaces and comes to the light of day then they'd have to live with that uh, i mean they may know it in their hearts they may know it quietly amongst themselves but they don't want that out amongst the public
0: yeah exactly right michael and that and this relates to the first point i mean the first point is the News Miner just took the Wallet Hub analysis at face value and stopped there. They didn't go further and look at the impact of what PFD cuts are doing uh, on on the on the government take uh, out of the private sector. The Senate, in the same way, just wants to stop at looking at what the PFD does to the state fiscal situation. They don't want to look. At, at what the impact of that is on Alaska families and the overall Alaska economy, everybody's everybody's trying to stop their analysis at a certain point. That uh, you know, if the analysis goes from one to ten, they're trying to stop it at five uh, and say, look, "Look, look, I win. Look, you know, we right. have a low tax, we have a low tax burden, or look, uh, uh, PFDs have this huge impact on the state's fiscal situation. We can't, we can't afford them." Uh, anymore. They want to stop their analysis at five as opposed to going through, you know, the, the six six through ten, which are the important parts of what what is the impact on Alaska families and the Alaska economy uh of going down this road. Well, right. when you when you look at it from the Wallet Hub using the Wallet Hub standards, it moves Alaska to the third largest tax burden in the nation. When you look at it from the standpoint of what Senate Finance should be looking at, impact on Alaska families and Alaska, the overall Alaska economy, it has the largest adverse impact on those two. Everybody's trying to stop their analysis before they get to the part that matters most.
1: Well, and I have to laugh because early in the article when they're talking about spending caps, Natasha is quoted as saying, oh, you know, we, our, my own bill has been modeled and stress tested. and includes a permanent fund dividend because to me, a dollar is a dollar, but only if it's a dollar to government if it's a dollar going out to other people then she's not interested in that discussion. Uh, again, a dollar is a dollar but only when it's convenient for the for the mathematics or for the for the presentation that you want to put forward.
0: Well, uh, and from her perspective it's not a dollar out of her pocket so it doesn't it it doesn't matter right?
1: She, exactly. doesn't, she
0: doesn't have to pay it. Others have to pay.
1: It. And I got to tell you Brad, this article is so full of stuff uh, I mean, the whole first part of the article talks about the uh, talks about the spending caps and nobody even bats an eye. I mean they say it right here. the proposal would set the cap based on an average state spending over the last three years with allowances for inflation and population growth. You mean the last three years where we have spent, you know between 30 and 50 percent more than we've taken in? That seems like a good spend. I mean, nobody is pointing out the fact that a spending cap based on expenditures means nothing. And then they go on to talk about how well a, a constitutional spending cap would be hard, but then again they ignore the fact that any you know that that these politicians who are in the legislature have willy nilly ex- just ignored statutory law at, to their heart's content, so that a constitutional st- spending limit is the only way that would hold them in place. But they don't talk about any. I mean, where is the reporting on this? Where is the analysis of this that's deeper than just the soundbite or the talking points that were emailed to them by the press secretaries
0: yeah that's that's I've I've had a long discussion with a friend in Wyoming who reports on the legislature down there and basically the storyline that I get both up here and down there is that there's just not enough of us I mean you got one guy covering the legislature from from the Anchorage Daily News you got one guy covering it from from the television stations you know they, they there's a lot of issues down there that they're trying to deal with and and you know, they're just—they're just trying to, just trying to to uh, uh, cover the intake. You know, without without having time to do a deeper analysis. I, I'm not sure I accept that. Uh, I mean, the Anchor Shaley News has proven that when they want to, they can do a deep dive. I mean, just look at Kyle Hopkins' pieces on virtually anything. Uh, they right. can do a deep dive on things. But, uh, but, but you know, the excuse is, well, we only got one guy covering it. All he really can do is just, you know. Just touch the surface of everything i and and the pushback I get is well if you want that deeper dive, that needs to be done in the op ed pages and it needs to be done by uh by uh citizens. The problem is the reporters get to write every day and get you know get to control headlines every day the op eds are you know by citizens are like once every six months so it's um it, it's an excuse it's not a it's not a it's not a uh a, 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 a true response to the issue.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. Uh, and, and I, I think we, we basically lost this. That's the problem. Uh, uh, we basically lost this where we, we had any deeper analysis and people aren't taking the time to do it. Uh, there are a few people like you and others who are are, are digging into this. Uh, but if folks saw that, again, we are the one of the highest tax states in the nation with all this information, I think there'd be a lot of pushback, but again, that's not what they're hearing. What they're hearing is regurgitated, paraphrased talking points from the majorities, from the press secretaries that go out to the reporters, and they just dutifully retype them and put them out there and say, "This is the story." And uh, with no, again, no more investigate, you know, no more investigation, no more uh, deeper thought, and, and it's troubling to me. Uh, I mean, because again, I think some of these guys are pretty good reporters, and I don't know if it's just a, a, a lack of direction from the editorial board if it's just laziness or if it is again some kind of ideology that says well i don't really want to get into that because you know <laughs> because again like the like the house like the senate finance if all of a sudden that was out in the light we'd have to acknowledge that this is a problem
0: Yeah, you know the other the other thing michael that i get sometimes is well legislators aren't talking about it this way legislators don't talk about you know, uh, uh, the PFD being a tax and, and, and having to factor it in, in Alaska's tax burden. Uh, you know, when I go, one of the comments I've gotten in response is when I go ask legislators, uh, what they think about it, nobody says, well, it's a tax and, 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 and it taxes Alaska families. And you have to take that into account when you do the numbers are, are, are this. Um, so, you know, if they're writing about the legislature and they're right, and they're writing, what legislators are saying. If you don't have any legislators saying that, there's you know, their their argument is there's really no there there to report. Um and, you know, to some degree that's true. I I've honestly uh, never heard a legislator talk about uh, PFT cuts as taxes. I've never heard a legislator factor it in, uh in uh, in calculating the tax burden on Alaskans. I, I wish they would, but they don't. Uh, and And as I say, that's another rationalization used for uh, for not reporting the information.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely frustrating. Uh, Jim says, why aren't the villages upset about PFD theft? It hits them the hardest. Uh, I've been surprised quite honestly that they haven't been more vocal and then quite honestly, their legislators haven't been more vocal about it. Um, you know, I, I would expect them to be. we got about a minute here.
0: I got I got told once that there's a top 20 percent out in the villages too. And that top 20% is our state government employees out in the villages uh, and, and the executives of the village corporations. And and they don't want uh, uh, alternate forms of revenue any more than anybody else. And so, you know, they're satisfied with PFD cuts as well.
1: Oh, that's disappointing. That's, uh, that's a little disappointing. We were just talking about uh, the discussions of Senate Finance how Alaska is the third highest, is the state with the third highest tax rate, when you factor in the PFD takings, the third highest tax rate in the nation. And uh, how that is not being talked about by any of the local legislators. Uh, And we were just talking about, you know, why Bush legislators aren't, uh, you know, aren't more vocal about this. I mean, why aren't the folks in the in the villages who are, again, feeling that PFD pinch more than anybody else? And former representative Sharon Jackson's in the chat room. She says Bush legislators voted against the PFD last session. I mean, that's a it's a troubling time to say the least. So, let's move on to number 3, which is the governor, and the question of is the governor really looking to solve Alaska's fiscal situation? Is it really uh is it really part of it? And uh, you put up a slide that said revenues and uh with a question. So, let's uh le- let's talk about that, Brad.
0: Well, there was a um, – this 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 issue comes from a, a snippet in one of Matt Buxton's – who's the Midnight Sun – one of Matt Buxton's pieces last week uh, where he was uh, talking about revenues. And And that snippet was real short. It said, and as for the revenue question, the legislature also faces political risks of not only passing a tax, but having that tax vetoed by Dunleavy, giving him precisely the kind of platform he'd like heading into the 2022 election – What's the point?" said one particular. Particular over it, Politico explained, uh, and then and then Matt uh, 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 enhanced that in his article, uh, or in the Midnight Sun piece uh, uh, yesterday, a fairly long piece that that basically goes through the same, the same issue uh, in in much greater detail, and from that I'm 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 beginning to get the impression that Governor Dunleavy. Um, well, not beginning, but but developing, further developing the impression that Governor Governor Dunleavy has become part of the problem, not part of, not part of the solution. So this year's budget, the first the first budget in 2019, had deep spending cuts. Um, the governor got a lot of pushback. He didn't get support uh, of 16 legislators for all of those spending cuts. He ended up with significantly less. Uh, spending cuts uh, reduced his veto amount and uh, to, to get 16 legislators to support the reduced amount uh, and ended up with significantly uh, fewer budget cuts and then we got the recall and and the budgets that he's proposed in 2020 and 2021 uh, have have had much much fewer cuts not even approaching the level of cuts required to get spending down to uh, uh, traditional revenue levels. The governor, uh, in in the latest budget, uh, essentially admitted that. Uh, and for uh, fiscal year 23, papers over it. In fiscal year 2022, uh, by by proposing a big overdraw from the from the ERA to cover the deficit, essentially draw it to tax future generations by by drawing down the the uh, the ERA. Uh, to cover it in FY 2022, but for FY 23 uh, and and beyond, out to the end of the decade, the governor essentially admits that that there's this huge fiscal gap uh, that continues, and it's called in. The, it was called in the ten-year plan other revenues that he was going to to balance the, the 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 budget balance by adding in other revenues, but he's never proposed what those other revenues would be. Um, and, and so we've got a situation and, 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 and the testimony consistently is, and I believe it to be the case that to have other revenues in place to start in FY 23, when this huge gap shows up, uh, in his 10 year fiscal plan to have other revenues in place, you have to pass them this year. It's going to take a, a year to implement it. Um, so, and and the governor hasn't done that. So you, you got a combination of, of not deep enough spending cuts, an admission that we that the state needs other revenues to cover the resulting fiscal gap, but no proposal uh, on on how to cover that that fiscal gap, which which clearly is leaving as the as the default mechanism, uh, just continued PFD cuts on on out into the future deep PFD cuts, because even that other revenue uh, gap that he shows in 23 uh, and beyond is after restructuring the PFD to, uh, to a POMV 50, 50. So you've already got about a 400 million, $500 million PFD cut, uh, uh, built in when you go to POMV 50, 50. And he's still showing these huge, these huge revenue gaps, uh, gaps on out. I don't, I don't think he's so, so, so he hasn't cut spending enough to close the gap, He's showing, he's admitting that there's this fiscal gap from FY23 beyond, but he hasn't proposed anything to deal with it. Um, and and now the, the the Matt Buxton articles essentially say if legislators, he said at one time, he said the first first part of this session that well he was going to leave up the other revenues to to, to legislators, but now you know reading between the lines on the Matt Buxton article, basically what he's saying is I'll veto those. Uh, if legislators come up with other revenues i'll I'll veto those. so he's not there's not there's not any options left. He's taken away the spending cut option. He's taken away the other the other revenue option uh, by not proposing and now indicating that he would veto he's 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 essentially cutting off every alternative to try to deal with the uh, with with the budget situation and i and frankly, you know if if he's not part of the solution. He's part of the problem, and and he certainly has not made himself part of the solution. I mean, what you could do is is say we're going to have spending cuts. This is going to be the, the size of it. We're going to have a spending cap, uh, an effective spending cap, um, and and I'm going to come up with other revenues to, to balance the remainder between, you know, what spending levels are going to be after these spending cuts and the, and, and the spending cap, uh, and 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 that's how that's how we're going to do it. And, that, and I, that's my proposal. And and, and here we go. He's not done any of that. Right. Uh, So it's I I I think the governor is is has has put him has made himself part of the problem. uh, Certainly not part of the solution.
1: I mean, what was the intent here? I mean, if you're if you're looking through the governor's eyes and you're looking at this, was his intent to put the legislators on the hot seat and make and make them, you know, politically pay for it? Or what are you saying? I think
0: I think at the beginning of the session, uh, you know, reading between the lines, it was make the legislators come up with the solution. Um, I, I will, I, the governor, will show you the gap, but make the legislators come up with the solution. Now, with the, with the buzz about about you know vetoing, uh, it's it, the, the 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 interpretation is even if you come up with the solution, I'm going to veto it, um, and and so that's that's going to leave this revenue gap. Uh, and and this fiscal gap and i'm, I'm going to leave you without any way of closing it other than continued pfd cuts
1: i watch this and, I, and i'm just i'm trying to figure out i mean it, it, you know he wants to pass the buck over to the legislature but at some point if you're going to pass the buck to the legislature and then on top of that you're just i mean it looks like as you were saying reading between the lines he's just going to veto it anyway as a political position to say look i'm the guy that vetoed all these new taxes coming into the 2022 election cycle I mean, there's still no solution. It means that we just draw it more out of the ERA and, and we kick the can down the road for another year.
0: Yeah. We draw it either out of the ERA or we, are we just deepen the PFD cuts. And I, and frankly, you know, looking at the legislature will be the latter. They'll just deepen the PFD cuts um, uh, taxes on middle and lower income uh, Alaska families. I mean, that's the only option he's leaving. If, if he's going to, if he's not going to make the cuts uh, and, and, you know, as we talked early on in this legislature, if he was ever going to have 16 behind him to make deep cuts, this was going to be the legislature where he was where he was going to have 16. He didn't have 21 plus 11 to affirmatively change the law to reduce spending, but he had at least 16 who were hardcore enough that would back him up on on if on, on deep spending cuts. If he's not going to make those deep spending cuts, and he said he's not in the in the budget, um, and and he's not going to let the legislature come up with an alternative revenue solution. He's leaving nothing else other than taxing future Alaskans through ERA overdraws or taxing current Alaskans, middle and lower income Alaska families through, through PFD cuts. He's not, he's, not, he's not part of the solution. So when the governor goes out and says, I'm all for the PFD, I want to preserve the PFD, he's, he's, he's being disingenuous because he's not leaving any tools on the table Uh, to fix this situation other than uh, to take uh, take the pfd now or to take it in the future through uh, through era cuts now
1: well uh, i mean this is just it's so frustrating in so many ways i don't even know what to say at this point uh other than again if he's part of the problem we you know we need to figure out we need to figure out what the better solution here is which i think again comes back to the size and scope of government whether we uh, whether we want it to or not there's not you know like you said, there may not be a whole lot left to cut to make it simple, but we should be cutting where we can. Uh, and unfortunately, that's that's not what we're getting right now. So,
0: and we're not getting it out of the governor. I mean, yeah. that's, that's that's the point, Michael. I mean, if that's if that's the solution, that's not the solution. The governor's going down. I, yeah, and you can you can say it's the recall. You can say it's the lack of support in 2019. You can lay it off on a lot of things, but that's no longer his solution yeah and 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 his solution is i mean basically he's he's positioning for reelection uh uh without having done anything to help solve the problem uh in in his four years in office
1: yeah um
0: and you know and and what does that mean well that means you start looking for other candidates in in the twenty twenty two election cycle
1: well, it's a sad sad thing uh so we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens here, uh, but it, again, it doesn't uh, it, it doesn't look it doesn't look good for the old home team. Let's put it that way. Right now, as we continue to push forward on this, it uh,
0: doesn't. And, and the new thing the new thing you need to factor in is these Matt Buxton articles about reading between the lines that the governor has said has indicated that he's going to veto uh, any solution the legislature comes up with. So, yeah, you know, from the legislature standpoint, why do it?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I guess that's the point. Why, why get into that fight when you feel like you're just going to get your legs kicked out from underneath you anyway in the in the end? Uh, I think that's the I think that's the the bigger issue here. All right, well, uh, Brad, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate you coming on board and joining us today. Thank you,
0: Michael. As always, thanks for having me.
1: I appreciate it.
0: Well, that's a wrap for another week's edition of the Weekly Top Three from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you again for joining us. Remember that you can find past episodes on our YouTube, SoundCloud, and Spotify pages. And keep track of us during the week on Facebook and Twitter. This has been Brad Keithley, Managing Director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We look forward to you joining us again next week on the weekly top three.